Welcome to We Found Another Hour, a podcast and ministry of Grace Baptist Church, Springfield, Tennessee. Listen now as we join our host, Dr. Steve Freeman, and his guests as they give biblical insight into your toughest theological questions as we explore the Bible together. And that's exactly what we experience on this Easter weekend. When we come and, and look and understand that today is a day of celebration, no doubt. But friends, in order to get to the celebration, in order to get to the triumph, we have to understand the tragedy. And what you've seen depicted before you today, that is the tragedy that took place over almost 2,000 years ago, 1,993 years ago, approximately, uh, that was the date that the world would be changed forever. That was the date, ladies and gentlemen, that, that, that the most heinous crime in human history had ever been committed. That was the day, ladies and gentlemen. We call it Good Friday, but I want you to understand there was, it was a great Friday for us, but there was nothing good about it for Jesus, as you see. That's the day, ladies and gentlemen, that mankind completely turned us back on God, completely rejecting God and hanging God on a cross. The most heinous crime ever committed in human history. And you and I participated in killing God. Now think about that for just a minute, because I know that some of you said, well, Brother Steve, I, I mean, that was almost 2,000 years ago. You said it was 1,993 years ago. There was no way that I was there. And ladies and gentlemen, we might not have physically participated in the hanging of Jesus on that old rugged cross uh, in a physical sense, but I want you to know that every one of us participated in a spiritual sense, because there was much more going on on that cross that meets the eye. See, there Jesus had undergone, all morning long, had undergone a beating to which no other human being could have survived. And there the blood began to pour. And approximately noon on that Friday afternoon, the Friday after Passover, the Friday of Passover, there Jesus would be nailed to an old rugged cross, and there Jesus would begin what we could not see. In the cover of supernatural darkness from noon to 3 p.m., the transfer of all of our sin, your sin, my sin, the sin that we committed yesterday, the sin that we committed this morning, the sin that we committed last week, the sin that we committed last month, the sin that we committed last year, the sin that we committed throughout our lifetime, the childhood sins all the way to the adulthood sins, the sins that we'll commit this afternoon, not that you've got a green light to do it, but the sins that we'll commit tomorrow, the sins that we'll commit next week and next month and even next year, all of those sins, ladies and gentlemen, in that three-hour period under the cover of supernatural darkness, your sin and my sin was transferred to Jesus, the sinless Son of God. And there Jesus, unbeknownst to the participants who had rejected Him, there Jesus was laying down His perfect life as a substitutionary atonement for you and I today. For those who were there, Physically, and those who were there spiritually. All of mankind, Jesus 
was our substitute. You see, that was a grim Friday. Because it was there that Jesus died for our sin, according to the Scripture. See, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4 really captured the essence of the gospel. And the Bible says that Jesus died for our sin, every sin that we would ever commit. It was there on that good Friday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon when Jesus willingly gave up His Spirit, when Jesus willingly laid down His life. It was there that he paid the wages of sin. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. It was there that Jesus spilled his precious life's blood. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. It was there on that Friday afternoon, Good Friday, that Jesus fulfilled what 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 says. That he died for our sin according to the Scripture. But, oh, friend. I want you to listen to me for just a minute because I want you to understand today that I've got some good news. What we've seen before us is good news. And again, it was, it's great for us. It's good for us, but it wasn't necessarily good for Jesus on that day. But I got some good news that I want to share with you this morning. Because just as 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 says that Jesus died for our sin according to the Scripture, I want you to know that I'm not done with that verse yet. Are you with me today? I said, I'm not done with the verse yet. See, what we have seen is just half the story. What we have, what we have seen depicted before our eyes, what we say about Good Friday is just half the story. I want you to know there's more to the weekend than just a Friday. Come on, that's a good word. There's more to a weekend than just a Friday. Just as there's more to this story, there's more to this Easter story than a dead Savior. There's more to this verse than just the Jesus dying for our sin. I want you to know today that we come on this Resurrection Sunday. I want you to know this morning that we come on this Easter Sunday morning and we can celebrate because the Bible says that Jesus died for our sin according to the scripture. He was buried but on the third day God raised him from the dead. Oh friend I want you to know that's good news for us this morning. Praise the Lord. The tomb is empty. When Jesus early, the Bible says, early on that Sunday morning. They laid him late on that Friday but early on Sunday morning Jesus got up from the dead. Oh, I'm so thankful for the resurrection because if not, our salvation would be incomplete. The Bible says without the resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15, this is Freeman translation, but without the resurrection, there'd be no salvation. Praise God that Jesus died, but he got up from the dead. But what does that mean exactly this morning? I mean... In essence, what does that really mean for us? How does that intersect with our lives this morning? What did, what did all of this Easter result in? What were, the, what were the significant results, if you will, accomplished at Easter? What is the greatest result? Maybe we'll put it this way. What is the greatest result of the resurrection? And that's really what I want to talk about today. As we turn, I'm going to invite you to take your copy of God's Word. Turn with me to the book of Revelation this morning. The book of Revelation, chapter 21. I want us to look at verses 1 through 8 this morning. As we give thought to this Easter Sunday morning sermon that I've simply entitled, The Result, The Result, 
the result of the resurrection. Revelation chapter 1, or chapter 21, verses 1 through 8 this morning. And here's what I want to just hone in on. I believe that the greatest result of the resurrection, because of what the resurrection means, because of what the atonement of Jesus' blood, His death, burial, and resurrection, literally the gospel, because of what it means in terms of our salvation, this is how we're saved, and the only way that we could be uh, wrought back into a right relationship with God, because it's our sin that separates us from God. It's our sin that separates us from the relationship that God intended in the very beginning. But I want you to know it's Jesus' blood that reconciles us back to God. One of the greatest aspects of being saved and one of the greatest results of the resurrection is not only that we can be brought back by our choice, God made His choice when He got on the cross, but by our choice can be brought back into the family of God. The Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 12, as many has received Him, He gave the right to become children of God. So we can become a child of God through the gospel. But as a child of God, that means that we have a forever home. See, that's what I think about in terms of the resurrection. Bringing us back into a right relationship with God means we're in the family. And when we're in the family, I don't have time to preach this, but nothing can take you out of the family this morning. That's a good word for us, a good theological, biblical understanding of salvation. The Bible says in John 10, 28, that nothing can snatch us out of the Father's hand. Once we're, once we're a child of God, adopted sons and daughters, we're part of the family. And that means that we're forever part of the family. And that means that we have an eternal reservation in a place called heaven. I think the greatest result of the resurrection is the fact that we get to go to heaven when we die. Y'all listening to me this morning? Are you listening to me? I think the greatest result of the resurrection is that it opened the door and gave us an eternal reservation in heaven. God's dwelling place where we can forever be with Him. Today, on this Resurrection Sunday, I just want to give you just a little glimpse of heaven. I want to talk about heaven for just a few minutes and just remind us of what Easter means for us and what we have to look forward to for those of us who've accepted Jesus. So this morning, Revelation chapter 21, beginning in verse 1, going down to verse 8, stand if you would for the reading of the Word of God. I know even at home today, in honor of the Word of God, I want you to get up. Maybe you're on the couch and maybe you're on the, uh, at the kitchen table, wherever you are. I want you to stand in honor of the Word of God. And as we look at this passage of Scripture this morning, I'm going to give you, very simply, four facts about heaven. Four facts about the place. That's going to be important. The place called heaven. <clears throat> John from the island of Patmos and a revelation that Jesus personally gave him about end times wrote in Revelation chapter 21 these words beginning in verse 1 then I saw John said then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there's no longer any sea and I saw the holy city oh I can't wait on Wednesday night to I uh, talk about this very aspect about heaven coming back to earth. All these Wednesday nights, 
in the end times. But here's what John said. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them. And they shall be his people. And God himself will be hanging out with them. God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. Oh, think about this in heaven. There will no longer be any mourning, any crying. In heaven there is no more pain. And all the first things have passed away. And Jesus who sits on the throne, said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And Jesus said, John, write down these words, for these words I'm telling you are faithful and true. Then Jesus said to John, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without any cost to them, because it already cost me everything. Verse 7, he who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But for the cowardly, hmm. cowardly and unbelieving, it's amazing how Jesus put those words together. But for the cowardly and the unbelieving and the abominable, and murderers, and immoral persons, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars. Their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. Which is the second death. Father, oh give us just a little glimpse of heaven today. <clears throat> Thank you for Easter that makes it possible for us to go. Without Easter... Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to go to heaven but through me. Without Easter, we'd have no access to heaven. So, Father, thank you. Lord, I pray if somebody's not made their eternal reservation, they'd accept Jesus today. But for those of us who have, let us be reminded of this wonderful place we're going. But also, Father, let us... You're doing some retooling in our thinking during the pandemic. Remind us of our responsibility here on earth before we get to our heavenly home. Do all that you can, not only in this place, but across the world. Where right now your word is being preached from this pulpit and many others. Let the gospel prevail, change our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Four facts this morning. Excuse me. Four facts about heaven. The first fact I'm going to give you about heaven is the fact, very simple. Now, write this down. It's the fact that heaven is a place of validation. Write that down. A place of validation. Look at verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Look down at verse 5. And Jesus said, look what he told John right here. And Jesus said, John, write, for these words are faithful and true. Oh, and incredible to think about heaven and the fact that heaven is a place 
of validation. Now think about this first and foremost as a place of validation. Think about it in terms of heaven is a place. We've got to understand, if we're going to make it to heaven, we've got to understand that heaven is a real place. The Bible says uh, when Jesus uses the word heaven, and when it's written here, it's the word aranos, and it literally is an accusative masculine singular noun. You know what that tells us? Listen to me, are you listening? You know what that tells us? Because it's a noun, I don't have time to, to expound on uh, the English uh, language and what all that that means as far as nouns and verbs and you've heard me talk and you hear me uh, uh, talking now I'm probably not the expert to teach you about any English but I do know about the difference between nouns and verbs and I'm going to tell you today that a noun is a person place or thing so it's important when the when the Bible talks about Aranas when it talks about heaven and it being a accusative noun what that does is identify heaven as a person, place, or thing, and literally heaven is going to fall in the place category. Heaven is a real place. I said heaven is a real place. Now the reason why I want to emphasize that is is because most people do not believe that. Now, come on. Most people do not believe that. There are a lot of people that are watching today by way of internet. And you may be here and you hear that statement and God brought you to this statement just so you could hear and understand. Literally, you've tuned in today because God made a way for you to hear the truth and the truth sets you free. But the reality is there are a whole lot of people who, who have never accepted Jesus Christ. And part of that is because they just don't believe that there's an eternal destination. Sometimes we just believe and, and we're taught this throughout our lives in error and in school and what have you that, that when uh, many different facets about life and death, when death is over, for instance, you might be like that guy I talked to not, not too long ago, just a few weeks ago. And I just, I want you to understand that during this pandemic, there, there's a lot to be learned in terms about life and death. There's a lot that has been observed and there is a, a, a lot of questions, if you will. But I was talking with a gentleman not that long ago. And we were talking about life and death. And I asked him, I said, well, what happens when you die? He said, well, he was a very sick man. And I, you know, I'm trying to help people to understand the gospel. I'm trying to help you understand the gospel today. And I said, what happens to you? What do you believe happens to you when you die? And he said, well, they're going to take me and put me six feet under in the ground. Well, I want you to know that physically that's true. But here's what I told the man. They're going to put your body six foot under. But your soul's going to keep on going. Friend, I want you to know that there's a real eternity that every single one of us is facing. This is why I want to come and talk about Heaven today has a, has a real place. There's nobody who's watching today that does not believe in death. But here's what Jesus said about death. He said in Hebrews 9, 27, It's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. Nobody's going to argue about death, but why do we argue about judgment? Judgment would be equivalent to that eternal state. Once we die, we're going to stand before Jesus in judgment. He's either going to let us come into his heaven based on what we did with the gospel, or he's going to send us to hell. 
And it's not that he sent us. We just elected to go there because we reject him. But we're going to die. We're going to be judged. And then we're going to live in one of two places, heaven or hell. And the choice is ours. That's how simple it is. But yet we make it so complicated and so difficult. But here's the reality. It's a real place. But unfortunately, most of the world does not believe that. But I'm here to validate it today because Jesus himself validated. You know what's also unfortunate? I want you to listen to me. Because there are many of you watching by uh, way of uh, internet today. And, and normally you'd be occupying these pews. And here's what I want you to understand about not only those who are watching. And not only those who would occupy these pews. But occupy the pews across the whole world. When I say that most people don't believe in heaven, that includes the church. Now come on. When I'm talking about most people not believing in heaven, I believe that includes a large major portion of the church. You say, well, Brother Steve, there's no way that we don't believe in heaven. We gave our life to Jesus so we can go there. Hey, listen, friend. Hey, actions speak louder than our words. You see, here's one thing I want you to fundamentally and theologically understand today. That you cannot believe in heaven and, and, and reject the idea of hell. In other words, you've got to believe in both heaven and hell. It's an all or none. And the reason why I say most of the church doesn't believe in heaven is because most of the church does not believe in hell. You say, well, Brother Steve, now we, we believe. No, actions speak louder than words. Friends, if we believed in hell, we'd do anything we could. We'd do everything within our power. We'd do everything in every fiber of our being to keep people from going there if we truly believed there was a hell. If we believed that there was a place where the worm dieth not and the fires never quenched, we'd do whatever we could to keep our loved ones there. You'd stop letting your relatives go to hell. You'd stop letting your co-workers go to hell. You'd stop letting your family. You'd stop letting your friends. You wouldn't even want your worst enemy to go to that place. But every day of our Christian lives, we sit on the sidelines and we do nothing to perpetuate the gospel. The only hope that this world has in or without a pandemic. I want you to know the gospel is the only hope that the world has, period. And we sit idly by and just watch people. Whether they get sick with the coronavirus or not, people are still going to die. And we just watch people die and go to hell. We must not really believe there's a hell. Do you? Do you believe there's a hell? Do you believe people when they die out apart from Jesus Christ and the gospel really go there? What have you done to curve the number? Even during this pandemic when God has handed us the opportunity on a silver platter to share the gospel with people who would not ordinarily ask, how many of those opportunities have you taken advantage of? 
How many people have at least been exposed, if not saved, but at least exposed to the gospel because of this church during this pandemic? Because of you, child of God, through this pandemic? What have you done with the gospel? Do we truly believe in hell? Do we truly, if we don't believe in hell, there's no way you can believe in heaven. It's an all or none. But I'm telling you today, by the authority of, of God's Word, this is, this is Jesus Himself is validating that heaven is for real. He said, John, write it down because what I'm saying is the truth. Friend, listen to me, lost friend. And that's a fancy word that we use. I don't mean it to be derogatory, but listen to me. If you've never accepted Jesus, we, we just classify that. We put it in a category and we call it lost. It doesn't mean a derogatory term. It just simply is indicative of your spiritual condition. But listen to me today. I want you to understand, if you hear nothing else, that heaven and hell are both real places. And the fact that God did everything He did on Good Friday everything you saw earlier so that you could go to heaven and you, could, and you didn't have to go to hell. hell. Heaven is a real place. Today you have to make a choice. Jesus is either Lord and he, in all of His validation, Jesus is Lord of all or Jesus is simply lying. He's Lord or liar. Which one do you choose today? Second fact about heaven is the fact that heaven is a place of restoration. Not only is it a place of validation, it is a place of restora restora re restoration. Look at verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Look down at verse 5. And Jesus who sits on the throne says, Behold, I'm making all things new. Doesn't that sound good this morning? Oh, friend, if they don't light your fire, you would sweat. I want you to understand today, for those of us who've been bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, I want you to know we got something to look forward to to in terms of heaven because in heaven all things are new don't we like new stuff do you like new stuff oh friend what it is to when we get something new i thought about this brother johnny i thought about wednesday's my birthday you know it comes dr parker's birthday's first so by the way happy birthday dp all right but then after his birthday on the 12th see mine's gonna come rolling around the corner. And I got to thinking about my birthday next Wednesday. Because my birthday, listen to me, John. My birthday is one of my favorite holidays. My two favorite holidays, Father's Day and my birthday. You know why? I ain't got to share them with nobody. I think about my birthday. And I think about uh, that party that my kids and my wife are going to throw me next, next Wednesday night when I get home. I, I hope they're watching. I don't know if they really are, but I'm giving them a hint. But here's the deal. Saying about that party. But either way, I'm going to get some new stuff. Now, again, y'all know, I told you this at Christmas. I'm always interested. I'm, I'm more interested in quantity than I am quality. Get me a bunch of little stuff. I just, I just like to open the stuff up. But I, I don't, I'm not necessarily interested in quality. And that's going to be a good thing. Because right now, we're in pandemic economic lockdown at the Freeman household. I'm probably not going to get anything of quality, Rob. Ha, 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 ha,
Well, y'all really liked that one, didn't you? Y'all liked that one. I'm probably not going to get much of quality. But still, the fact of getting something new, boy, it's just exciting no matter what it is, isn't it? I mean, you remember when you was a kid and, and maybe your mom or dad or aunt or uncle or somebody was visiting, they said, hey, we brought you a present. Just the idea of getting something, you know, was exciting. We like to get pre- We like to get something new. You remember when you got that car? Huh? You remember when you got that car? It don't even have to be brand new. It can be a new to you. And it's exciting. You remember when you got that car? Oh, I, I mean, you do because we all do this. And you don't have to raise your hand. Nobody is looking today. Nobody can see you at home. But you know what you did when you got that car, especially for the first couple of weeks. First and foremost, you washed it. Boy, that was a long time ago. But you washed the car, you know what I'm saying, and, and kept it clean. And, and you remember the first few days you got it, you just kind of walked by the window, and, and you'd look out there and you'd see the car. Didn't y'all do that? Just shake your head because I know you did. I mean, you just look, and then, you know, you'd go out there and, and just kind of stare at the car. I mean, it just excited. You wouldn't let nobody get in the car with dirty feet. You remember them days? I mean, you wouldn't let nobody. Hey, listen, you wouldn't even let the kids, you wouldn't even let them pass gas in the back. You wanted to keep that smell, and you didn't want the smell of the boobies back there. You, you, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you just kept it, you kept it pristine. Because you was excited about it. Now, I don't have time to tell you how that excitement dissipates and the fact that we don't find our joy in new stuff. That's not what, that, that's not what spiritually fuels and funds us. But just the fact that we all like new stuff. That's important this morning. Because for those of us who have been bought by the precious blood, we've got something to look forward to in terms of newness. Heaven is a place where God makes everything brand new. He doesn't, hey, look at me. He doesn't refurbish it. He remakes it. All brand new. That ought to get us excited. Think about them new homes we're going to get. Hey, praise God. Think about them new bodies we're going to get. Think about those new jobs we're going to get. I mean to tell you, heaven is an awesome place of restoration. But a third fact about heaven is the fact that heaven is a place of expectation. Look at verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people. And God himself, you ought to underline that, and God himself will be among them. Oh, let me stop right here. Can I tell you, it's a place of expectation, a place that you and I can expect some things. I'll get to that in just a minute, but i got to stop right here. Hey, maybe if we had time, I'd make another sermon point and call it a place of anticipation. Because you know what that verse means? That means that God has, is anticipating and expecting us to come. Did you, you realize that's what heaven's all about, right? The fact that God, He's taken it all the way back to the way He intended it in the beginning with Adam and Eve before they boogered everything up by taking that forbidden fruit. God is getting everything back to the way He intended where He would just hang out with mankind. That's why He created all this earth. That's why He created everything as a dwelling place for us to hang out with Him. God will be among them. He'll be, and they shall be his people, and God himself 
will be among them. Do you know that's God's greatest desire and His expectation? He's so giddy with anticipation. He can't wait till we get there. All He wants to do is hang out with all of mankind. And you know what His expectation is? I said heaven is a place of expectation. You know what God's expectation is? That the whole world, the whole world would accept Jesus and be able to come and hang out and He be your God and He hang out and dwell with His people forever. Don't miss that. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that hung on that old rugged cross. The one who so loves you, he wants desperately for you to accept him so he can hang out with you for all eternity. But look here. It's a place of expectation. I mean, God's expecting some stuff. But look here, look here. Let me see. What can we expect when we go to heaven? Look here. Verse 4. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Oh, there's going to be no crying in heaven. There'll be no longer any death. Ain't no more dying in heaven. I'm so tired of death. Oh, look at that. No more death. And there'll no longer be any mourning. There'll no longer be any crying. There'll no longer be any pain. Mm, Don't that sound good this morning? Oh, friend, all that pain you woke up with this morning, all that crackle, snap crackle, you... When you got up out of bed, it was like a box of Rice Krispies hitting some milk. <laughs> All that will soon be over. There'll be no more pain. All these things have passed away. Heaven is a place of great expectation. You know, when I think about this passage, and I think about one of my favorite passages uh, of scripture in all the Bible. That John chapter 14. Y'all, y'all been over there where it said. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And my father's house are many dwelling places. I like the King James Version says mansions. And my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so. I would have told you. And there I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place. I'm coming again. To receive it in myself. That where I am. There you will always be. Oh, you know what he's talking about? He's talking about heaven. Oh, friend, how exciting that is. But when I hear about heaven and these passages of Scripture, it just gets me so excited about the future. I'm so thankful for Easter because it means that I get to go to heaven because I've accepted Jesus. And it just reminds me, listen, that the best is yet to come. You know what this passage reminds me of? Y'all listen to me. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of dinner last night. I just brought my fork from last night. It does. It reminds me. You can learn a lot at the dinner table. You know what I'm saying? Now follow me here. Last night, you know, we had our Easter dinner. And Miss Lynn, because she's got to work today and, and or tonight. So we just we did our dinner and our gathering last night. It just, it's been a great, even through the pandemic, some great aspects of it. We've been eating dinner at home every night, kids around the table. It's just a great family time. But we was eating dinner last night, and I told you, y'all know that I'm a picky eater. You know that. And then... uh. Uh, I've, I've told you, even through the pandemic, I've been trying to eat some things that I don't necessarily like. I, now, John, I'm not really eating them, okay? I'm just kind of letting them digest down. I'm finding ways to get them down. But last night, for instance, we had, this is what we had. You know what we had, Abby? We had ham. Praise God for ham. You know, I'm thankful for Acts chapter 10 
Because without being able to eat any ham, I don't know. If I was Jewish, I'd starve to death. Y'all know that. But we had ham, mashed potatoes, and green beans. Let me do this again. Let me tell you how we had. Let me tell you what we had for supper. You ready? Well, Johnny, you ready for this? We had ham, mashed potatoes, and green beans. I mean, that was the dinner. And we sat down, and you know I didn't have no problem getting that ham down. Y'all know that. I mean, I just ate that ham. But then it came time for the mashed potatoes and the green beans. I had to fill up that sweet tea. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't chew them up. I just wash them down. Can I get a witness? So I was stumbling through that meal, and that meal's a lot like life. Have you ever noticed in life you get, a, you get some ham from time to time, but then maybe you get some mashed potatoes or green beans. Maybe there's a part of life that you're really enjoying and then other parts of life that you don't. Boy, that plate, you, I'm telling you, you can learn some stuff. But think about this. <laughs> I made it through that meal. Mm. Got the ham, washed down the mashed potatoes and the green beans. But then my daughter, Katie, as she was picking up the dishes, hear what she said. You won't know what she said to me. Some of the greatest words. She said, Daddy, keep your fork. Woo! She said, Daddy, I want you to keep your fork. You know what that means? That means that the meal ain't over and the best is yet to come. Oh, she said, Daddy, keep your fork. Nana's done made some strawberry cobbler. Praise God. I done forgot all about them mashed potatoes that I threw up in my mouth three times trying to get them down. I done <laughs> forgot about all them green beans that I couldn't get washed down. When she said, save your fork, I knew the best was yet to come. Here come the strawberry cobbler. You know, every time Jesus in the passage, talks about heaven. You know what it reminds me of? The fact that the best is yet to come. Friend, it's a place of expectation. You know what you can expect? The fact that the best is yet to come. Save your fork. Fourth and finally today, and I close with this. Fourth and final fact about heaven is the fact that heaven is a place of liberation. Heaven is a place of of liberation. Look at verse 6. Then Jesus said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cause. He who overcomes will inherit these things, will inherit heaven, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Heaven is a place of liberation. You say, Brother Steve, what are we liberated from? Well, we already see what we're liberated to. We get to, we get to experience heaven. But you ask the question, what are we liberated from? Friend, we're liberated from the other place. The other place that we're talking See, there's only two, two places when it comes to our eternal destination. Heaven or hell. We're going to live in one of two places. And everything that Jesus has done through the cross at Calvary and the gospel, when we accept that, it liberates us and allows us free access to heaven and the throne room of God. But when you reject Him, you're still bound up and you're no longer liberated. 
You don't get liberated from what's described in verse 8. When Jesus said, but for the cowardly and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and liars and stealers and thieves and anybody who stepped outside of the boundaries of God because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. See, if we don't do anything about our sin, we can't experience that place of liberation. We suffer the consequences of the wages of sin, spiritual death. That's what he said. This is the second death. You're going to die physically, then you're going to die spiritually. Friend, I wonder today, as we think on this Easter Sunday, you know, I can summarize the sermon this morning. It would have been a whole lot shorter if I'd done this at the beginning, but there was just a lot that, a lot of detail. But I wonder this morning, heaven or hell, That's really what it all boils down. You know what Easter's about? Heaven or hell and where you're going to spend eternity. I wonder today, have, have you ever given your life to Jesus? Have you ever given your life to the one who gave his for you? When you hear heaven and you hear somebody a preacher describe heaven or you read it for yourself in the, in the Bible, does it make you think that the best is yet to come? Is the Word of God telling you, friend, to save your fork? If you've never accepted Jesus, there's no way you understand that analogy. But you can today. You see, that's what Easter's all about. Jesus got up from the dead. He, he laid down his life for your sin and got up from the dead being raised victoriously. And that victory gets transferred straight to your account, friend. That's why the Bible says, thanks be to God, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Thanks be to God who always leads us to victory in Christ Jesus. Victory in Jesus is not a song that we sing on Sunday. It's not just a song that we sing out of that hymn book. I want you to know that victory in Jesus is a theological premise to which we not only sing about, we stand upon. Are you standing on the promises of God, especially in terms of salvation? Heaven to look forward to. Friend, if you've never been saved today, why wouldn't today you give your life to Jesus? The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus, Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. If you believe what I'm telling you today and you're willing to accept it, you can be saved. What would keep you from being saved today? In just a moment, we're going to have an invitation song. We're going to put a number on the screen in just a minute, a number that you can text. And actually, it's going to be two numbers. You can text. Somebody from our staff is going to call you before the afternoon closes today. For any decision that you need to make today, that's how it's going to work. Somebody from our staff will call you based on the text. You just text your name and the word decision to the number that's on the screen in just a few moments. Somebody 
She's going to call you, help you walk through you, walk, walk you through that decision. It's also a number that you can call live. Talk to somebody right now. There'll be somebody on the other end of that phone that will help you make that decision. So we're going to give you two options today. But if you need to be saved, that's what I want you to do in just a few moments. Don't wait till tomorrow, because tomorrow may never come. There's many of you watching today who've already been saved. But you know, you realize today, thinking about death and thinking about, hey, you know what got you? The judgment. You know what? The judgment. Because we're all going to, whether you've been saved or not, we're all going to face judgment. That's what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 is all about. You're going to face the judgment seat of Christ. And there, you're going to be judged based on what you did and did not do in service for the kingdom of God. And there's some of you today that say, man, I've been saved, but I got nothing on my record. You know what you ought to do today? You ought to change that. You ought to change that. Maybe you need a church home. Maybe you've been saved and never been baptized. Maybe, maybe there's some work as soon as things open up and we can fill this church up again. Maybe there's some work that, that, that you know that God is calling you to do, but you've been putting it off. But something about this pandemic is getting our priorities right. Something about this pandemic, y'all, is getting our priorities right. And I've seen many embrace that Matthew 6.33. Seek me first and my kingdom's ruin your life. And all these things will be added unto you. Maybe that's you today. If there's any kind of decision you need to make, text the word decision to the number that's on the screen or simply call that number and talk to a live person on the other end of the phone set. But as we sing this song of invitation and the Lord is stirring, make those calls and those texts now as we sing. Join me. We found another hour with your host, Dr. Steve Freeman, a ministry and podcast of Grace Baptist Church of Springfield, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about becoming a follower of Christ, we'd love to have that conversation. Please contact us at 615-384-3393. For other questions or information regarding Grace Baptist Church or its affiliates, write to us via email, podcast at gbcspringfield.org. And as always, as we explore the Bible together, if you have a theological question that you'd like answered on our podcast, send the question to podcast at gbcspringfield.org. Thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless you.